0: everybody and welcome back. Thank you again for being here. I just love having you here and just feeling so grateful for this opportunity to connect and to share. And this wouldn't be possible. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for a very significant person in my life. And I wanted to start the show by telling you a little bit about her today. Before we dive in, I want to thank my sponsor for this episode, which is Third Love. They create high quality underwear, sleep and loungewear, delivering life-changing comfort for your body with cup sizes from AA through I, including exclusive half cups and lounge and sleepwear in sizes extra small to 3X. Get ready to feel comfortable good. I love their sleep and loungewear. I spend a lot of time at home. I'm really excited for when the weather starts to cool and I can cozy up in in like more of the loungewear. When it's summer in Austin, you want to wear as little as possible. But when I am wearing as little as possible, I'm making sure that I'm wearing my third love underwear and bras because they fit really well. They fit perfectly. So you can take the fitting room quiz and see how detailed it gets to really help you find the perfect size and style. And third love obsesses over each stitch. So you never have to think about how something feels, looks, or wears. While trends come and go, third love has always stayed true to one notion. We do comfort and you do you. I love their new seamless collection. It's called Form. They're wireless bras and form-fitting undies with limitless stretch and endless comfort that disappears under your clothes. Now, I am a fan of wireless bras for a variety of health reasons and so glad Third Love has come out with their seamless collection. Third Love has the perfect fit promise. They stand behind their products. If you don't love it, exchanges and returns are free. Third Love is also the largest donor of undergarments in the U.S., partnering with organizations in their local San Francisco Bay Area and across the U.S. They've donated over 40 million in products to help women make powerful life changes and even heal injured turtles. They're an awesome company. Third Love knows you deserve to feel comfortable and confident 24 seven. So right now they're offering my listeners 20% off your first order. That's right. You got it. Go to thirdlove.com slash over it to find your perfect fitting bra, underwear, loungewear, whatever, and get 20% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove, slash over it for 20% off today. So when I was 23 years old, I was working at Paramount Pictures and I was in a relationship that was unhealthy. And I was sitting at lunch with my friend, Kristen, complaining again and again about this boyfriend of mine. And I think I was taking Xanax just to deal with it. And she'd been hearing me talk about it a lot. And she's like, look, I I don't know what to tell you. I can't really listen to this anymore. But I just went and saw this kind of kooky therapist slash coach. I don't really know what she is. Her name's Mona and she was actually really helpful. So maybe you want to go see her. And I would have done anything at that point. And I'm like, all right, fine. Like I'm just looking for answers. I'm looking for relief. I'm I'm so miserable that uh, I need some help. So I drove out to Sherman Oaks, which was a stretch for me, (laughs) drove out to Sherman Oaks and those in California will get that joke and went to her house, which is where she saw people. And I walked in her house and I was like, oh my gosh, is this woman trapped in 1989? I mean, the, the decorations and the amount of tchotchkes that she had was kind of unbelievable. And I thought she'd have like an office or something, but she didn't. We go into her son's room and I sit on a bunk bed, like on the bottom of a bunk bed, and she sits in a beanbag chair. And she's in sweatpants, no makeup, but just has a super bright personality blonde hair, blue eyes, and totally spunky. And I sit down across from her and kind of go into my sob story. And as I'm sitting there, and look at her, it was the first, and I didn't really know what was going on, but looking back, I I now know what was happening. It was the first time I was in the presence of someone who had zero judgment of me. Like she was so in a space of unconditional loving and being so present with me and wasn't judging me, wasn't trying to fix me, wasn't making my story wrong, but just was like hearing me and loving me. And it wasn't anything she said, it was just energy that I could feel. And honestly, I have to tell you, it was rather intimidating because I'd been so used to sort of being seen as, as broken or whatever. Like I, I just hadn't really been in the presence of too many people that were so full of love and free of judgment. And that started my journey with this woman named Mona, who became my, my coach. My She was a coach, therapist, spiritual teacher, with no formal training. She just had a gift. And she's the person that helped me relieve 20 years of headaches, get off antidepressants. She trained me. She was the behind me when I was writing my first book, when I was going through my quarter-life crisis, so my divorce, like everything. She was a huge, huge part of my life, both personally and professionally. And I really relied on her a lot. And then about 12 years, 12, 13, 14 years after I had worked with her, I got a call one day from a friend of mine who was also seeing her that she died. And she wasn't sick. I mean, this is a woman who survived so much in her life molestation, game rape, disease, 12 surgeries like it's just so, so much. And she ended up dying in a car accident. Her tire blew. And it was such a shock to me. I had lost grandparents, but they were sick and they were old, and I wasn't super close to them. This was the closest loss I had ever experienced in my life. And not only was it a sad personal life because I I loved her so much, but in a lot of ways, she was my rudder. You know, She was my teacher, and I felt a little lost and totally disoriented. And I'm sharing with you this story today because a large part of the coaching session with today's caller is, is about loss. And loss is an incredibly painful but inevitable part of our life. And when it happens, it's important we give ourselves time to grieve and not try to be strong and try to move on right away. But there comes a point in our life when life has to go on. And that was true for me with Mona. There was a a chunk of time where I was kind of paralyzed. And I didn't really know what to do and I was deeply in grief and it was hard for a lot of people to understand because they're like, what, well, she was your life coach. Why are you this upset? But <laughs> She was a lot more to me than that and to so many other people whose life she touched. But after a while, I started to realize that more than anything, she'd want my life to go on and she'd want her work to live through me. And the last book that I wrote, Expectation Hangover, I feel like she was on my shoulder supporting me and writing that. And after the grief, probably about a year after the grief, I started to really feel her presence and feel her hear her feel like she kind of helps me more from the other side now, which is beautiful. And yes, my human self still misses her, but yet I also know her presence not only lives through my work, but I also feel her presence with me. So whether it's the death of a loved one, a pet, a relationship, or a job, And we can't allow loss to suck the life out of us. Otherwise, we end up existing, not really living. So much of how we honor those who transition is to keep living. So my caller today is a widow named Regina, who's been having some challenges letting go of sadness and regret. So in our beautiful call, I support Regina in beginning to take her life back. Consider, as you're listening to this call, Have you recently been through a loss where you just can't seem to move on? Or have you been through a loss and are aware that perhaps you do need to take some time to actually feel and grieve it? Do you tend to look back on your life and wish you could have done things differently? In other words, do you look back with a critical perspective? Are you at a point in your life where you're just existing and it's really time to start living again instead of just going through the motions? So even if you personally aren't going through a loss or transition, I hope you take the time to listen to this call because it will serve you in being able to support others in your life who may be going through any kind of loss. And now, here is my session with Regina. Hey, Regina, welcome to the show. What's your question?
1: Thank you, Christine. Um, My question is, how do you... um, get over this feeling of sadness and regret as you get a little older and you're approaching retirement and you think, I really haven't done what I wanted to do in my life and I haven't really accomplished the things that I thought I would and I'm not in the place where I thought I would be.
0: Mm. You know, it's interesting. I just last week was uh, at a conference at a place called Rancho La Puerta. It's a beautiful spa in Mexico, right south of the border in San Diego. And there's a woman there who started that spa. Her name's Deborah, and she's 93. And she came and spoke to our group. And you would have thought she was 43 or even 33, her energy, her vitality, her life force, just her incredible vibe and her vitality was, was just off the charts. And she really reframed for me and so many of us in the room what aging is really about. And she told us so many stories about how she started the spa and how she even, when she was 65 years old, moved to Washington and had a whole nother career, wrote a book, was doing policy work there. And her belief was just that as you get older, life just gets better and aging is really a choice. And every choice we make is an investment in our future. So I share that with you because it sounds like you may have a limiting belief that as you get older, your life is going downhill rather than uphill. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. (laughs) And how old are you now? I'm 63.
1: And how long do you want to live? I don't know. I I just don't know. I'm a widow, mm-hmm. and um, my parents are gone. Mm-hmm. No brothers and sisters. I, I have children and grandchildren, but being living alone, I I don't feel terrible about it. But I don't look with joy on the prospect of it lasting another twenty years.
0: Right. Right. And it doesn't have to, Well, here's the thing, you know, and this is, this is very normal and, and a lot of people feel this way. Um, so I just want you to, to, if, if this, if this is true for you, I want you to be able to admit it. Is there a part of you that just kind of doesn't want to be here anymore? Yes. Yeah.
1: I would have to say yes.
0: Yeah. Right. So that makes life really hard. Right, when there's a part of us that wants to be here, because you know, that's where the question comes from. How do I get over the regret and all of those things? You know, there's a part of you that still wants to live, and then there's a part of you that kind of just wants to resign and just like, I don't know if I want to be here anymore. Yeah. So this begins really, Regina, with making a choice of of life or, or not life. That's where it starts. Because we have to have something we want to live for. You know, it's the best way to get over regret is to start creating a present and a future that's enlivening. And the thing about regret, regret is tricky because we're using knowledge that we have now to go back in the past and judge ourselves when we didn't have the knowledge then. It's true. So
1: what do you regret? Oh, I regret um, a lot of little things. I mean, I, I was alone with my children and I tried to be the best mother I could, but I know I wasn't the best mother in the world. And I think I was too afraid of being devastated again to open myself up and find another relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: I hear you. I really hear you. And you have my compassion because it sounds like not only are you in grief, but you're in judgment and judgment's really, really painful. Really, really painful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How long ago did your husband pass?
1: Oh, about 25 years.
0: 25 years. And did you have a very loving relationship with him? Yes. Yeah.
1: Very. Yeah. He was the love of my life. He really was.
0: So far. So far. <laughs> Do you believe we get more than one love? No, not really. Hmm. Well, then you'll probably only
1: get one. Yeah, I just... I can't imagine loving another person like that.
0: Well, you won't love them exactly like that because what you had with your husband was unique between you and him and you'll love another person in a different way. How many children do you have? Three. Three. And do you love each of them exactly the same? I don't mean the amount, but is your relationship with each of them exactly the same or is it different? Do you have different connections with each one because they're different people?
1: No, it's different. It's definitely different. But do, you,
0: do you love them all the same in terms of the capacity of love that you feel? Yes, I do. Right. So couldn't that happen in a romantic relationship as well?
1: Yeah, I suppose. I never really thought about it that way. Mm-hmm. But I suppose that's true. You know, just because it's different doesn't mean it can't be good.
0: Exactly. And it's not a disgrace in any way, shape, or form to your husband. I would suspect that your husband really wants you to be happy. I would suspect that he would be looking down and his heart would be hurting that you're suffering and depriving yourself of love.
1: Yeah, I think he would want me to be happy.
0: I'm pretty sure.
1: and I, you know, for a long, long time, I told myself I was happy. I was too busy working and taking care of three kids by myself, and oh, I'm, I'm happy. I'm content. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now I realize, well, I, I'm not miserable, but living alone isn't wonderful either. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's,
0: let's, let's keep going on this. So what, what was, uh, what's your husband's name? Jack. Jack. And did he give you guidance? Did you go to him for advice or support?
1: Yeah, I did. I always thought he was my best friend.
0: Awesome. So close your eyes. Okay. Close your eyes and just picture him. And picture he's just sitting across from you right now. And he's listening to everything you shared. What guidance or advice would he have for you? What would he say?
1: I, I don't know. I, a long time ago, I used to think that he would say, you're okay, you have the kids, you're fine because he had a little jealous streak. But I don't know now what he would tell me. I I hope he would say, you shouldn't be alone. Mm-hmm. If you want to find somebody, you should. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't know if that's the answer for me.
0: Well, here's... Here's yes. The, the, the answer isn't in finding another man. The answer isn't in, in any of those things. The answer is really in you giving yourself permission to live. And I'm just sort of using the example of a relationship as a sort of a, a an entry point here, but this is really about you for, for the problem, maybe the first time in your life, having a loving relationship with yourself. Because it sounds like a lot of your life was dedicated to other people, your marriage, your children, all of those things. And now that your kids are grown and your husband is gone and you're left with your relationship with you, my sense is you're realizing it's not such a great relationship that you have with yourself.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's probably true.
0: Uh-huh. I,
1: I, I have a tendency to beat myself up a lot. And how does that work? Um, I know I know it doesn't help me. No, but So it's you hard. Me- I know it
0: it's it's every human is incredibly great at beating themselves up and we're not so great at self-love, which <laughs> is part of the reason I wanted to do this podcast is because it's just I'm such a commitment to helping people really realize that their essence is love and the more we love ourselves, the more we show up in that way for others. So You mentioned something, Regina, about some regret about motherhood. And you asked me, you know, how do you deal with that? Well, one way is to start becoming and being a better mother to yourself. Part of the reason you have judgment on the way you mothered is because your own relationship with yourself got in the way. There's a certain point in which our own relationship with ourselves leaks onto relationships with others. So generally, people that are really, really hard on themselves um, don't have their heart fully open, and sometimes can't be as loving or as patient or as unconditional as as they would want to be for people they love. Does that make sense? Yes, it, it, it does. Yeah.
1: Think about that.
0: So you know how to be a mother. I know you've had those moments where you felt that unconditional love, you felt that patience, you felt that nourishment and that nurturing, right? You've had those moments with your children, yes?
1: Yes, many.
0: Yeah. So now it's time to give those to yourself. To start, really mothering yourself, nurturing yourself, becoming a great partner to yourself, because what I was getting to with encouraging you to open your heart again, to love again, it doesn't—it's not necessarily the form of a man. <laughs> it's really opening yourself up to your own partnership with yourself.
1: Yeah, it's—it's it's hard to to do that. It's hard to know where to begin to do that. Well, you know, I, and I, go ahead. I don't know what to um, tell myself in place of, you weren't the best mother in the world. And, sure you, you, know, you do. do I,
0: Let's take this one at a time. So you have a voice that says you weren't the best mother in the world. What could you say in response to that?
1: Uh, I tried. I did the best I could. I did the I best I could. I did.
0: I did the best I
1: could with the tools I had at the time. Yeah, I I have to keep telling, because I know my kids don't feel that way. Right. You know, and if I say to them, well, I wasn't the best mother in there, my my oldest daughter especially says, well, I wasn't the best kid in the world, so maybe we were a good match. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) We're all doing the best we can. And if you continue to live in the past, you definitely won't enjoy the future and your present will just be sort of a recreation of the past over and over again. So in in a lot of ways, Regina, this comes down to choices. This comes down to a choice, a choice to be alive, a choice to forgive yourself, forgive yourself for any judgments you hold. On the way you mothered, or any other judgments you're hanging on to. And then see, right now you have another opportunity to remother and to remother yourself and to start speaking to yourself the way a loving mother would speak to a child. You know, like if one of your kids came home from school and said, Mom, like, I'm a loser, I'm stupid, nobody likes me and I'm just never going to go anywhere in my life. What would you say?
1: Oh, don't say that. You're not a loser, and you're going to have a wonderful life. It's just school is hard sometimes, and kids are mean sometimes, but that will pass. Mm. Do well.
0: Oh, Regina, you have such... Your voice just shifted. You have such... I'm gonna cry. You have such a sweet, mothering, nurturing voice, and you deserve to receive
1: that. Yeah, I have to tell myself I deserve. Yes. Not to be so mean to myself. It's not doing you any good. No, it isn't. You're right. I have to. I have definitely have to work on that. And I do. I do it to myself all the time. I forgot my keys. Well, if you weren't so stupid, you would have put them where you could see mm-hmm. them and then you would have remembered them. Mm-hmm. i so, hard on myself. Like yeah. That.
0: I hear you. I hear that inner critic and she sounds a lot different than that mother I just heard a minute ago. <laughs> and I got to tell you, I like the sound of the mother Better. better. <laughs> so one of the things that I teach in Expectation Hangover, the book, is on the mental level, you sort of take on the role of a horseback rider and your mind is like the galloping horse, but you are the rider, you have the reins. And so when a thought comes in like you're stupid, you forgot your keys or whatever, you go, whoa, that is not the direction I wanna go. And you just shift yourself back and you say, I forgive myself for being mean to myself. So this takes practice. Just like if you wanted to lose weight, you couldn't exercise for five minutes once and think that was gonna do it. This takes practice and this takes a commitment to really mothering yourself. So I would, I would write out some promises you're going to make to yourself and put them on your mirror in terms of how you're going to talk to yourself, how you're going to treat yourself and, and really approach this like a commitment, like this is your new lease on life. And if you want the next part of your life to get even better, then, then you've got to start mothering yourself and allow love in, love from yourself. And then who knows what other kinds of love may come forward. It's true. And I think
1: I always i was raised very strictly and um, you put yourself last.
0: I put, put myself others. last, yes.
1: Mm-hmm. You put others first. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, You know, I I guess I think, well, I don't, you know, really deserve to be spoken to nicely because I have done things I shouldn't have done.
0: Mm.
1: And you shouldn't be, you should talk to other people nicely, but not necessarily yourself.
0: And And do you you think believing that belief is serving you?
1: No, I know that it isn't. No. I know that it isn't. It's not good for me, but very, very hard.
0: You know what? So is raising three kids on your own and you did it.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So right. I'm sorry, Regina, but this its hard. Excuse is just an excuse and it's just a story. I know you can do this.
1: You're probably right. If I could do that, I could do this. I would
0: say that I I would say raising three kids, if you can do that, you can definitely ramp up the
1: self-love. Definitely going to try because I do think it would help me. I think a little positive reinforcement would go a long way. Yes.
0: And don't try, commit. It's like I I either pick up a pencil or I don't. I can't try to pick up a pencil. Either I do or I don't. So just really make this loving commitment to yourself. Just like you would make a promise to others, you deserve it. You deserve it. And you will be a better mother and grandmother and friend when you do this and your kids. The greatest gift you can give your kids is to mother yourself and love yourself and be a good partner to yourself because they'll see your joy. And just like I bet your husband wants for you, they want for you to be happy.
1: Yeah, I know that they do. Yeah. They do. They do.
0: Yeah. Maybe you can like, do it. You can do it, Regina. I <laughs> believe in you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh, I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go write some things and stick them on my bathroom mirror.
0: There you go. You already sound better.
1: <laughs> and I'll see them every morning and every night. So I think it'll, it'll help me. Yes. You know, it won't hurt me, and I know it will help me. Yes, I just have to make it a habit, like and I've made being negative habits. <laughs> ex-
0: hey, oh my gosh, that was brilliant! Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. I couldn't have said it better. <laughs> You're very wise. Yeah. <laughs>
1: well if i was i guess i wouldn't be talking to you
0: no you are very very wise we we all have so much inner wisdom and what you just said was was perfect you know you've created a negative story so you can just as much create the true story which is you're totally deserving of love thank you my pleasure many blessings to you regina
1: thank you christine i really appreciate it my pleasure
0: I love so many things about this call with Regina. Her honesty and tenderness was so touching. I also noticed how her voice and tone completely shifted from the beginning to the end of the call. At the beginning, she was a little whiny and hopeless sounding, but by the end, I could hear more life force as she was talking. Did you notice that? It was pretty awesome, wasn't it? And Regina did reach out to me since our session and I wanted to share the update she emailed me. She wrote, Hi, Christine. I can't tell you how much your suggestions about forgiving myself and practicing self-love have helped me. Now when I'm beating myself up over something, I actually stop and say, hey, this is not self-love. Remember what Christine said? I can't believe it, but it is working. I'm so grateful. I'm starting to feel better about myself. You've planted many seeds of goodness for me. Bless you always. Love, Regina. Well, Regina, I'm honored and humbled to support you, and you were the one who was open enough to allow the seeds to be planted, and you are the one who is watering those seeds. So bravo and bless you. Now let's move on to some takeaways. So as Regina and I talked, we discovered that there's part of her who wants to be here, and there's a part of her that doesn't. I see this with a lot of people who are dealing with heavy expectation hangovers. Although they feel guilty to admit it, they're kind of rather apathetic to life. And the reason for the apathy is that the opposite of love isn't hate. It's actually indifference or apathy. So often when we go through something challenging, especially if we're really lonely through it, we allow our self-love tank to get so low that we slip into indifference and apathy. Without love, there's apathy. So getting out of it requires making a choice to live, not just exist, not just go through the motions. We need something to we want to live for. So if you relate to this, find something to live for, reach out, connect, volunteer, do something that gets you connected back to love. Even getting up and and dancing around your living room is a good start. Give yourself permission to love and practice a lot of those self-love tips that I worked with, with Regina on. I also want to discuss fear because fear comes up a lot around loss because you may be too afraid of being devastated again to open up. If you had your heart broken or you lost someone, you may think you need to put walls to protect your heart, maybe too afraid that it may end or someone may die. Or if you really gave your all to a business or a career and it quote unquote failed, you may be too scared to start again. But like I asked Regina, do you believe you only get one love? Do you believe you only get one chance? Do you believe you only get one opportunity to feel the love for someone or the passion for something that you did that one time? Well, if your answer is yes, then you only get one. Consider that there's infinite amounts of love and opportunity for you. That said, the answer is not found in finding another someone or something. It's about giving yourself permission to live. Your loved ones would want that for you and you want that for you. And keep in mind that our relationships with loved ones go on, just in a different form after they transition. Like I said in the beginning, my relationship with Mona may have changed in form, but boy, do I still feel her in my life. Consider that the people that have transitioned, or just maybe aren't in your life in the same way, are angels and guides in your life. Ask for their help, they're there. And finally, I want to talk about regret. Regina talked a little bit about how she regrets things in her life, you know, maybe regrets the kind of mother she was or whatever else it may be. So regret is useless. (laughs) And what it is, is it's using information that you have now to go back and beat yourself up for information that you didn't have then. It's ridiculous. It's like being in fifth grade and going back and saying, oh man, I really should have known this in second grade. I can't believe I didn't. I'm so stupid. That's what regret is. It's useless and unfair. So to really start liberating yourself from from regret, you have to accept that you did the best you could. At the time, knowing what you knew, you did the best you could. And I'm going to put a link in the show notes to a blog I wrote about regret to give you some more tips for how to handle it. But one of the best ways to get over regret is to create a present and a future that's enlivening. Again, we're back to living. And I want to repeat, you did the best you could with the tools you had at the time. So in this moment, I just want to send anyone going through any kind of loss or transition just so, so, so much love. And I want to just express my gratitude here for my teacher Mona and how she continues to guide me and how her work lives through me. And I hope that you get to know her a little better as you continue to listen to this show. Sending you so much love.